Welcome to Design Your Life with Sandy. I am your host, Sandy Yang. I am a certified brain rewiring coach and human design expert. In this podcast, we talk about becoming the most kick-ass, unstoppable version of yourself, building a life of alignment and flow that you deserve, and taking a holistic approach to health and wellness. Don't forget to connect with me on Instagram at Sandy Yang Wellness. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today we have a very special guest. Well, in fact, the first guest of this podcast, Dr. Tiffany Graham. I am so excited for you to hear this conversation. Dr. Tiff runs her own holistic health practice in Colorado Springs. It's called Springs Integrative Health. I just love and really resonate with her approach to health and wellness, which you will hear all about in today's episode. We talk all about how she found her passion in helping people heal holistically. Do you know that one of the biggest reasons that cause health issues in the first place is being disconnected to oneself sexuality? We talked all about it. She is an absolute wealth of knowledge. I feel like Sex is something a lot of people talk about all the time, but somehow is still a little bit taboo. Sex, pleasure, orgasms are all really fucking high vibe. When I first connected to Dr. Tiff, she said something like how you show up in the bedroom is how you show up in life. And I was just blown away. It hit me like a ton of bricks. You know, humans are actually made for pleasure. Think about the well-fucked woman that you know of. You know, life is juicy. I'm sure no one really wants to go about life feeling rigid and underfucked, right? This is a great conversation around feeling empowered in the bedroom with someone or by yourself, connecting to your own sexuality, conscious casual sex, dating and finding the one, even BDSM. I love every minute of this conversation and I'm sure you will too. There are so many good takeaways as well as actionable tools. Everything we mentioned can be found in the show notes. And without further ado, here's Dr. Tiff. So I was really curious about it. I was doing like this detox, like a life edit. I was detoxing in my inbox, my photos and all the nice. things. And that sounded like just detox at another level. So I would love to hear more. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not an expert with combo, but I did experience it and something I've wanted to experience for quite some time now. Um, but the, I did the, um, it's like an Amazonian frog. It's like a frog from the Amazon and, um, they take the, uh, poison from the frog and, um, and it's a whole ceremony with practitioners and facilitators who have had training and experience. Um, and actually they trained in the Amazon with the tribes there. And, um, it's traditionally been used, they call it the vaccine of the forest. So it's traditionally been used for, um, basically neutralizing viruses, bacteria, infections, um, even snake bites and spider bites. So they, uh, that's what they've used in the Amazon. Well, um, you know, come 
you know, forward thousands of years and they're still using it, but we also have the, it's a very strong detoxifier as well. Um, and so it's been, it's used in it's becoming really big in the United States, um, for just general health, wellness, detoxification, even addictions, PTSD. Um, you know, I can't say it cures any of these things. Obviously I'm not saying that, but it has been used and had, um, really great results, um, anecdotally. And, um, there is some research on the compounds one that does in the body. Um, but it's a, a whole ceremony. Basically I, we started the ceremony, um, energetic clearing protection. Um, and then there's a whole, like, there's definitely a side that, you know, they, they sing songs, drums. Um, so there's a lot of an energetic side to things, not just like the physical, you know, this is how you do the combo, <laughs> but practically how it goes into your body is they take, um, an incense stick or something to burn the top layer of skin. So it's, it creates this round dot, um, top layer of skin is gone and then they constitute the combo and put it, they're called points. So they put them on these points and it goes right into your lymphatic system and begins working within, I'd say about a minute for me, um, intense purging, crying, puking, <laughs> um, all the things. So, and I did a three, three days in a row of that is called, it's considered an inoculation is what that's called. So, I mean, I'm definitely not an expert. It's something that I wanted to experience so that my patients, I, if I recommended it to patients, I knew who to go to, what it was, um, and I had experienced it before. What so. a great way to start the new year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely was a detoxification of energetic emotions because, you know, as a healthcare practitioner, um, you know, I, I deal with people's physical bodies all the time. Right. But we've a lot of practitioners and people fail to understand or realize, or remember that the body holds emotions physically. Yeah. So when you have a physical purge, emotions will come with that too. And it's going to be drudging stuff that's deep within mm -hmm. and, um, definitely some family issues came up, uh, old traumas, things that I thought I had dealt with, but not quite. Yeah. It's never ending. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's an, I mean, it's a, it's a process for sure, but it's just peeling back layers. I mean, you don't feel so great when you're doing it. Cause you're literally, it's like hitting a hornet's nest. You're stirring up a lot of toxins. Um, but I did, you do, um, I did throw a bile every time because they do something where you do a dry fast. So you're not throwing up like stomach acid. It's not like irritating or damaging my esophagus. Right. Cause you don't want to do that on, you know, a lot. Um, but so they have you drink lots of water. So it's a lot of water. And then eventually once you got super deep bile comes up, when bile comes up, that means that the gallbladder was affected too. So it also has a form of a gallbladder cleanse and there's obviously safety protocols and things and, um, things to do in case there's an allergic reaction because it is creating a histamine allergic reaction. <laughs> That's why you're puking because that poison is not supposed to be inside of you, but it's used as a medicine in this way. Yeah. How long do you have to fast for before um, doing the ceremony? Um, just 10 hours. So really just no water and like nothing to drink in the morning. And then when the ceremony started, right before they put the points on, you start chugging water. So your stomach is literally full of water, ready to go. 
Were you doing it with other people? Yeah, other people were there. And then I, I was just at a local, they had um, like a local person's house. <laughs> so uh, yeah, who, cause it was a very small group. Normally they'll rent out a place, but because it was a really small group, they will, they were able to have it, you know, just basically in their living room and um, sealed the space, created a great, beautiful space for that. But um, so it was a really intimate like ceremony type wow. thing to be able to let go. And there's a bathroom right there and <laughs> whatever you needed. Sounds really fun. And I'm very curious. I have to look into how I can do that later this year. Um, Okay. So you are a chiropractor, right? I am. Yeah. And you are starting your own podcast called The Climax with Dr. Tiff. So I am really curious because you are such an expander for me when it comes to stepping into your empowered feminine energy. And I'm sure everyone's going to love you. I would love to hear about how you became Dr. Tiff, this empowered feminine goddess. Oh, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Um, Goodness. Okay. So I've been going to a chiropractor since I was five years old. And it's not because I grew up with back issues or pain or anything like that. I actually didn't. Um, My mother um, knew about chiropractic. Um, Actually, she, when she was pregnant with me, she was in pregnant in a city called Marietta, Georgia, which has the largest chiropractic school in the world called Life University. They had friends that were chiropractic students at their church and she got to know them. So she got to, she had already known a little bit about chiropractic, but learned more and more with that experience. And, um, she just learned about the prevention, like, and how chiropractic is so connected with the nervous system and to prevent. And I used to ask my mom, like, why are we doing this? I always liked going to the chiropractor <laughs> and my mom's like, because we want you to stay healthy. It's so much easier to prevent and stay healthy. So I just thought it was like prevention for pain and, um, keeping your body healthy. And I was a high level athlete. I played college volleyball and played pro over in Spain for a year. And chiropractic was always such an important part of me staying healthy and me staying on the, on, you know, on the field or on the court, whichever one I was playing, I've played lots of sports, but staying out there playing, um, never had to miss like a game, never had to miss a season, even with rolled ankles healed up really quickly after getting them adjusted as long as it was safe too. And there's just, um, and I grew up really healthy too. My family ate really healthy. We didn't have a lot of junk around. So it was just the lifestyle that I got to grow up in. And then as I got older, and I have two younger sisters too. And as I got older, I started to see how my friends were getting sick. Um, they, I had one friend that was sick every few weeks with a cold or something. I had another friend who had migraines all the time or really bad cramps. They had to stay at home and I never had any of those things. Neither did my sisters. And I realized when I was in um, college, actually, I got in a car accident and I already, I already knew I wanted to do something with health. I possibly, I wanted to become either a psychologist or physical therapist. And uh, so I was already in all those, those kind of classes. And I quickly decided I didn't want to be a psychologist. And so was PT. And um, I got in a car accident and I started going back to the chiropractor um, after the car accident that was locally to my college town, not back home. And um, I just saw how much he loved what he did, like loved what he did. People would drive all over to see him and 
how he really helped people and also enjoyed what he did even 20 years into practice. And um, I knew that there was something there. And I knew that I wanted to be a mother. I wanted to be able to set my own schedule. And I wanted to be able to help people and not be within this. I knew I didn't want to be a part of the medical system. Um, I had I had knee tendonitis when I was an athlete teenager. And the doctor, I went to an orthopedist. And the only thing he told me was just to, you just need to take some ibuprofen every day. No. That's... That's literally what he told me. And I knew as a 15 year old, I was like, this guy's an idiot. He has no idea how to get the body better um, structurally, unless it's like a procedure or a pill, right? That's their, that's their answer is a procedure and a pill, you know? And it's not that they're bad people. It's just the system. Right. right? Um, so I just knew I wanted to do something different and chiropractic was it. So the more, more I learned, the more I was like, this is totally for me. And it's amazing how we can help people heal and um, just unlock the healing power that's already inside their body. Wow, I love that. And I am sure you have a juicy story behind, you know, how you become such a, I don't want to say sex expert, but, um, <laughs> you know. Um, oh, so we're going to jump right to that. I love it. Uh, I love getting right into it, Sandy. <laughs> so, um, oh, goodness. You know, okay. So I grew up very religious Christian, um, was very, and I believe the law, one of the, uh, laws of energy is that energy can neither be created nor destroyed. But then another one of my favorite ones is this, is this next one. It is, uh, for every reaction, for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Right. Right. So it's kind of, so my parents, I was very suppressed sexually growing up. Um, I was even, you know, taught that I had even had friends who didn't even kiss until their wedding day. And, um, I had not had intercourse until my wedding day as well as a 23 year old and wow, <laughs> quickly discovered at 23, how much I had been missing out on. Um, <laughs> I thought I was late. And, I was 21. Yeah. 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 23. Um, and so, so I kind of definitely was a late bloomer, definitely very suppressed. I did the whole promise ring thing. If you've ever heard of that, it's just ridiculous. Um, where you like promise to keep your virginity until you're married and then your dad gives you a ring to, to wear. It was really weird, but, um, (laughs) that's what we did. Um, so reconnecting and, you know, the opposite reaction, right? So like when you're suppressed, I believe that. And then I went to, after my divorce at 28, into a wild time of experimenting and exploring. Then um, two years later, I had my daughter at 30 and um, kind of like backed off of all of that, got remarried to her dad. And then that fell apart. And um, I decided that there's like something, you know, like it's not all these guys fault, right? (laughs) Really when relationships fall apart, but there's also a part, I wasn't connected to me as a person, me as my feminine self. And I decided to really dive deep into me. And when I started diving deep into me, I found um, that sexuality was, was such a big part of me experiencing me. So like creating a self-pleasure practice being actually even this sounds funny but like taking selfies and naked pictures and celebrating your body I actually joke like I am so sad I don't have any naked pictures of myself before I gave birth so like before 30 I have nothing (laughs) 
I want to look back at that stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, have you seen your Instagram? You're like fucking gorgeous. So I don't think you missed out on much. <laughs> I'm making up for it right now, right? But that's a part of like celebrating my body. So, you know, it was just, it was really a, once I started just dropping shame around it and I started doing research and reading books about female sexuality even too. And then of course, from my side of things as a, as a practitioner looking into hormones and what does that look like? And then not being ashamed of having your period. And there's so many things that, that uh, go into that. What were some of the books you read that changed you? Yes. Um, well, Sex at Dawn is really good. Esther Perel, State of Affairs, really good. And it's funny, I didn't go into psychology, but I love all these psychology books. <laughs> um, what is the... Oh, untrue. Um, untrue was the best one. It was about, it was, that was the one about female sexuality and, um, it was written by an anthropologist and she goes into a lot of really cool science, nerdy stuff. I love that. I'm going to list them in the show notes so people can check them out. You were like, you know, a virgin until 23 and was married for like five years and started really exploring after 28. Yeah. Yeah. 28 was actually, yeah. When everything started opening up. Well, because in a lot of the Christian, I think because of my Christian upbringing, um, anything outside of just regular sex <laughs> was like missionary position, you know, or like a couple of positions, like everything outside of that was so off limits and very shamed. And so I just had no idea the potential of pleasure that my body had, but also like how it even worked. Um, I literally, I remember a junior in high school, this is a funny story, junior in high school, I didn't even know that an erection, like when it got hard, that it actually stuck out and up. I, I thought that it still hung down and I was like, how does that work? <laughs> oh my gosh. So cute. <laughs> Yeah, so naive. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, when we talked previously, you said how we show up in the bedroom is how we show up in life. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. It was like this punch in the stomach. It was like, of course, like, duh. But um, I don't feel like people really understand that. You know what I mean? Like we understand, okay, yeah. your relationship with money reflects you know, how you connect with yourself, that kind of thing. And, but we don't really think about sex in that way. Yeah. I think that that really, um, I mean, obviously I've heard people say that too, but I understand it on that level of, because I help people, um, regain their health back. I see the correlations of how they treat their body in other ways reflects in how, like how you do one thing is how you do everything. Right. And, and I see that all the time with my patients too. But, um, when I started really showing up for myself, whether I was with somebody or with myself, um, in the bedroom, right. If you take your time, if you're intentional, if you are, um, showing up fully, not being ashamed, yelling at the top of your lungs, if you want to, or not, um, and um, being willing to go there. I think that the, the energy that you bring in that intimate, like vulnerable place is the energy that you're willing to bring into the world too. 
Yeah. And um, you're such a perfect example of this. If you, you know, anyone who's talked to you, gone on your Instagram profile is like, wow, she is vibrant. She is beautiful. She is glowy. And I think, you know, Aww. it just goes to show how this is very important. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important too. And also like, because I see in the health um, field, so many women, specifically women too, dealing with um, fertility issues, a lot of menstrual pain, which is so common, but not normal. Right. Hormone issues. Um and just really suffering, you know, fibroids, um, and just really suffering because they're so disconnected from their sexual organs. And I believe that by reconnecting to your, like the yoni or womb or whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, and the first thing is just knowing what it looks like. <laughs> I think a lot of people like the vagina is, is the, is actually just the hole at like the canal, um, and it's not just the, you know, the reason for the vagina is to connect the cervix and the uterus to the outer world. Right. Um, and then on the outside is the vulva. So people call their vagina, their vagina is just actually the canal. It's actually not as a vulva on the outside. Um, also people don't understand how big the clitoris actually is. The mm -hmm. erectile tissue of the clitoris is very large. It's the, the literally just the clitoris that's outside the body that you can see and feel is only a very small percentage of what it actually looks like. It looks like a bulb. Have you ever seen a picture like a wishbone with two bulbs? No. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I want it. I need to get one of those, um, like clitoris. Uh, they have like these, um, clitoris, what do you call it? Like models where yeah. you can do education and show people how large a clitoris actually is. And it's very large. And the amount of um, erect, like nerve endings that is on the clitoris are so, I mean, I, I need to know what those numbers are so I can start talking about them on podcasts, but they're more than the head of the penis. Um, it's very concentrated. And the clitoris is not just that one little area. It's huge. I did not know that. And I feel like it's such important, basic information for every woman to know, but we were yeah. not really taught that in school, I guess, um, which is kind of no. unfortunate. Um, they should start doing that to middle schoolers. Yes. I mean, like actually having scientific, very, not just this is what happens when you have your period. <laughs> and this is how to actually, I don't even know how sex ed education works these days. I have not, you know, had it in years. <laughs> yeah. When I had sex education, it was like, just don't do it. That's literally what they told us. Same. Like, this is how your period works and just don't do it. How old is your daughter? She's going to be six next week. Okay. Um, she's a little young, but how do you think you will educate her? Um, given all that, you know, yeah. Yeah. I love this question. Um, cause this is something I'm really passionate about too, because, um, well, when you have a, for those of your parents who are listening and if you ever, uh, like kids discover their genitals at a very young age, like little baby boys discover their genitals <laughs> and, and little girls do too. So, um, they're going to be exploring and touching and, saying, what is that down there? And being curious and it's very innocent. And so one thing that I've already started doing was 
is um, making sure that she knows that it's okay to do in a private place, but also it's like nothing that is um, shameful or it's not something that's bad or anything like that. Right. I think it's also really important to um, call the, like, like teach them what it is. Like it's a vulva or a vagina. We do have like a, we, my a nanny that I had growing up, like when she was growing up, when she was really young, used this word that just like stuck, it's called tutu. So she calls it her tutu. <laughs> right. But, but, it, but if we talk about it, it's just very natural and casual, right? It's nothing weird or anything like that. So that's what I've started doing. Um, as we get older, I definitely am going to teach, like, I'm going to have a clitoris model and we're going to talk about like what the vulva looks like and like, just like anatomically, that's an easy thing. And then of course, teaching her, like if she wants, she feels like touching herself is, feels really good. Then, um, just teaching her that that's okay. She just needs to go do that in a private place and, um, something that she only does with herself. So that's, um, that's how I want to start doing that. And of course, when her cycle comes, teach her how, you know, I already like, I mean, I use a, this is maybe TMI, but it's okay. Nothing <laughs> I, TMI. I use, I use a period cup. Have you ever used this period cup? Yeah. I love those. Saves the environment. Yes. yes. They're amazing. Not only do they do that, they actually lower, um, cramping as well. Oh, I did and notice. Yes. And you did. Okay, good. And also does, did it make your period shorter? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It usually does that because it's more free flowing. Everything flow much easier. Um, but so I'll like, she, you know, kids watch you go to the bathroom. <laughs> so like I, I pee with the door open and anyways, I'm changing out my cup and washing it out. And she's like, what is that mommy? I'm like, it's blood. You know, this is what happens. And just like, it's a normal thing. So that's the way I'm going to just keep cultivating that. So, yeah. Wow. I love that. She is one lucky girl to have you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. So I would love to get into some listener questions. A lot of um, my listeners are, you know, in their mid to late twenties, early thirties, sort of um, looking to date or better their romantic relationships. And I'm sure everyone would love to be more empowered in all areas of life and especially in the bedroom. And I feel like as women, even though we feel like, oh, we're, you know, leaders of our own life and we're empowered, sometimes we, I don't know, still like apologize for stupid things and Mm. aren't super empowered in the bedroom, I feel like. Um, just given the questions I've received. So how does it actually look like to be empowered in the bedroom? Mm. It's a really good question. I think everyone starts at a different place. Um, you know, I want, I, I've told, I've worked with patients on this. Um, and one of the things that feeling as, especially as a woman. So let's talk about women first and we can go into men. Cause I believe it's different. So women feeling sexy, feeling good about yourself and also being in, in a calm state is really important. So if you're stressed out, if you're um, not feeling good about yourself, you're not going to show up empowered in the bedroom, right? So a lot of self-care bath, bath time is great. Um, whatever helps you calm down 
having a, a cup of tea, putting on something that makes you feel sexy. So that is something that um, if you're feeling good about how your body looks, you're going to feel good about having it be with somebody else. Right. Um, and, and even if you're by yourself looking at yourself and being like, damn, I look good, <laughs> you know, like wearing something that is, and, um, that's something I've really always been, I've been very fortunate that I have always, um, I mean, I guess not always, I think we're always critical of our body somewhat, but in general, I'm pretty, um, confident about my body. I've always been an athlete. And so that's really helped. Um, so feeling like you look at, put on things that flattered you. Um, even if it's, if it's clothes, you like how you look, you're going to like how you look when it's off probably better exactly. too. Um, or finding some cute lingerie or something. Right. So how you feel about yourself is really important being in a calm state because in order to show up and be present, you have to have the parasympathetic sympathetic part of the nervous system on. And that's the rest and digest. And that's also, um, the libido. So if you're stressed, um, this is why some women, they have a lot better sex if they have a glass of wine. Um, yeah. and I am actually not against that. If that's, what's going to take to calm everything down and get into a groove. Um, I prefer things like CBD or cannabis, um, or just breathing techniques or a bath. There's so many things that you can do to calm down. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so that, but then also just knowing what you like. You so, don't know um, what you like until you explore though. Yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think like exploring by yourself first, knowing, um, how, like, I didn't even know, um, what most women don't even look at themselves, like take a mirror, put it down there, look at it, tell her how beautiful she is. Like <laughs> That's a tell exercise. yourself how beautiful you are in general, but also tell your vulva and your yoni how beautiful it is. So that'll create that like oxytocin, those love hormones to be released. Um, and then so another one, let's see, what can you do? Because your partner can help you show up as well, making sure it's a safe place that you feel comfortable. So listening to your body um, is also one way, like knowing that this is a yes, I actually call it like fuck yes. So is, fuck it a, yes. is it a no or a maybe or a fuck yes? Because if it's a no or a maybe, it's a no. Like even maybe is no, but fuck yes is yes. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. yeah. Any hesitation, that's a no. Um, mm -hmm. okay. I love what you've just said. I know you're not completely done, but I think, yeah, most women have some sort of a body image challenge and it is so important to, you know, appreciate what our bodies can do. That really helps with developing body love. I feel and doing body loving things. That's how you reach body love. I feel um, so I love what you just shared and you brought up a partner can help you, you know, feel calm and safe, get into that parasympathetic. And that brings me to my next point, because in 2020, I have been focusing on business and abundance. And one of the suggestions my business coach said is to have more orgasms get into the state of receiving and, you know, sex and orgasms, you know, they're very high frequency, high vibe things. So that sort of just like elevate your frequency. Um, you become better at manifesting, right? And you become more magnetic, of course. 
but a lot of people I know talk about, okay, well, I'm single, so how am I supposed to do this? Or I would, you know, go out dating, looking for a connection, but the guys, and this is not every situation, this is just generally speaking, guys seek out sex, but girls seek out connection. So how does that work? And I feel like the answer that keeps coming to me is you have to, you know, give it to yourself before you can, you know, receive it from others. Fuck yes. I <laughs> love that. <laughs> no, you're, you're so right on. Um, one of my dearest friends told me one time when I was upset at this guy and she goes, what, what is it that you think you can get from him that you're not giving yourself? Right. Right. So, um, give it to yourself first and get in touch with yourself first, have a practice without first. Right. And I even believe some people may disagree with me, but that's okay. I even believe even if you're in a relationship and you're trying to bring the spark back to your relationship, give it to yourself first. I cannot stress that enough and, um, have a conversation with your partner about it. Um, hopefully they're very supportive, right? And if they're, if they're triggered by that, then that's something that most likely they need to work on um, because your pleasure should be something that they're celebrating, not condemning or trying to control. Right. I feel very strongly about that. <laughs> yeah. And one of the questions what I got um, for this episode was, how do you deal with guys who don't want to use a condom and I'm just like, wow, that's a huge red flag. And if you were empowered, if you, you know, fill your cup first, you, you know, you would just hold your boundary without any hesitation. Yeah. I mean, that's a fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> if that's something you want. Why do you guys um, do that? Why do you think? Oh, you want to hear my real answer? Of course. I Nothing. <laughs> is off limits here. <laughs> I think it's because they have a harder time uh, lasting when there is, um, or like staying hard with a condom. Oh, I think it's all about their pleasure. Like they're, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if I ever encounter a guy like that, I'll just know they are in their wounded masculine energy and I wouldn't want to fuck with that anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a story that I had somebody, I don't know where I heard it, but if you're in your house and you're starving and you're, um, you don't have any food, somebody shows up with a pizza and says, here, I brought you this pizza. It's junk food, right? It's not very good for you, but here it is. Um, you're more likely to take that if you're starving than if you have a whole entire full kitchen of food, right? Okay. So don't go into any dating online talking, even talking to men, don't go into the dating scene if you're starving. And <laughs> yeah. I've definitely say that from experience, right? I've, I've definitely done that one wrong. I've been the needy one, been the starving for attention. My thing is always attention, right? Um, for me, that was, that's like my kryptonite. If like a man's not giving me attention, um, definitely have more of that. Like if you talk about, I don't know if you ever talk about attachment styles on this podcast, but more of like the anxious attachment style. Yeah. I was just researching yeah, that. Yeah. So I definitely lean more towards the anxious attachment style. Um, that's like the needy type person. Right. And then the avoidant attachment style is the aloof person. Right. So I, then of course I attract men who are aloof. Yeah. <laughs> I used to don't anymore. <laughs> Yeah, that's very interesting. I thought I was avoidant. 
so, and you can be a combination and different uh, people can pull different attachment styles out of you. So you're like a combination. You're not like one attachment style, but you have the main one that you'll go to. So I believe I've done a lot of work to develop a really secure attachment style now, but so there's avoidant, um, anxious and secure. So avoidant is the aloof person, person that feels like there's too, like you need space. <laughs> right. Um, and, um, don't, don't give me too much attention or I need my space or that, that kind of person, which some people are just generally naturally that way too. And then you have the, uh, anxious attachment style who's worried that if you don't text them back right away you know that that kind of person that is like thinks that something's wrong if you don't text them back right away and then the secure attachment styles where you know where the healthy relationships lie in my opinion yeah how do you get from anxious to secure what were the work that you did mm, it's back to the giving it to yourself mm-hmm. is one of the things also i've done now two years of trauma therapy work. And, um, he does a lot of somatic therapy. So finding where that energy or that trauma is, is like stored in the body, which is a really good book for this called the body keeps the score. And I use this as a chiropractor as well, because when you have different pain manifestation, that can actually be an emotional thing that is triggering that. Um, most likely it's usually an emotion is connected to that as well. It's not just it's just not just one faceted, this is what's causing your pain. It's all connected to your emotions and also to toxins. We call them, I call it the three T's, trauma, toxins, thoughts are the way that we figure out what's wrong. And um, so yeah, giving it to yourself and then lots of therapy, just figuring out where for me, I do much better when I understand where those patterns came from for me. Yeah. And then go there cry it out, scream it out, whatever you need. Right. Or even maybe have an orgasm around it. I don't know. Like think about it, bring pleasure to the area. (laughs) I did read while I was researching attachment styles that, um, is heavily influenced by your upbringing, especially, um, from zero to seven. So I would think a lot of inner child work where, which people can just do at home would, you know, be helpful to a great extent too. Yeah, I totally agree. What's your favorite way that you do inner child work? Journaling and meditation. I created my own meditation. So um, yeah. I was bringing parents that I quote unquote wish I had that, you know, would bring me the type of healing that I need, not saying I don't appreciate my own parents, but, you know, they did their best and they couldn't be anything, you know, everything for, you know, people, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. that is how I do it. But um, I love that. Yeah, that's so great. Love that. Okay, I have another question from a listener. Yeah. So for those of us who are sexually open, um, you can see a lot of interest in like BDSM bondage, that kind of thing, where, you know, the woman is like, helpless, or, you know, I don't really know how to explain it, but yeah, in a helpless situation, why do you think women are drawn to that? I don't know. Because it's like, Um, we want to be empowered, but we also want to, hmm, how do I put this? 
Ooh. Okay. So what if, because I, I do have, I've had close friends who are in the power, they call it power exchange, BDSM culture. And um, they feel um, they're the one. So the submissive person, when she, the way she talks about it, she's giving him that power. So she is empowered by giving him that power. And oh. she feels that going through the, whatever they're doing for that day, whether it be, um, I, I mean, there's any, like anything with pain or uh, like pain and pleasure actually in the nervous system have a very, that's a very fine line. It's very true neurologically between pain and pleasure. So if they're going through any type of like practices with power exchange, she feels stronger um, going through that and having coming out the other side. Does that make sense? Totally. So like, that is a great point. Yeah. He pushes her to like a point of where like, like she gets to learn and which I really believe that this is very similar to just in general with sex, what it can do um, self-actualization, like learning more about yourself. Like what kind of person has to show up in that, in that, in that vulnerable place what will you find when you're so vulnerable um and that takes a lot of strength to be that vulnerable and to give that kind of power away so actually i think it's it's the opposite it's very empowering yeah that gave me chills that was beautiful um thank you i was also thinking because feminine energy is very much about being in a receiving state surrendering so I was like, oh, maybe because mm-hmm. we just want to surrender and, but not in like the most healthy way. So it could go both mm. ways, I feel. Yeah. I mean, there is always a, the dark side to anything like that, right? Yeah. But anything. There's a dark side to anything. So Truly. yeah, I mean, do it in a safe way. Make sure that there is, and actually I found that in that culture, there's actually more communication in like, if they're doing it right, there's so much communication and they're so good at communicating that actually increases your communication skills, your intimacy because of the amount of communication. Aftercare is also really important to, um, I mean, like, I don't know a ton about, I just have had friends that I've talked to about it. I'm such a curious person. I've asked them about that, but um, yeah, I think that the psychology behind that just create that surrender. It puts you in touch with your um, feminine like energy. Wow. Okay. I love your insight. It's like, who would have thought they would communicate better, but, um, love that. Yeah. You have to, if you're going to go to that place. (laughs) Totally makes a lot of sense. (laughs) And, um, I'm pretty sure people ask you about relationships all the time. Let's say you're a single girl, you're looking to date and you're sleeping with people. There is like science behind getting attached after, you know, physical interaction, right? Yeah, because anytime there's there's like the hormone release with oxytocin, um, that can create an attachment. Yeah. So how do you balance dating the right guy and sex? Mm, Such a good question. Um, I was actually talking to one of my girlfriends about this called, um, because like conscious casual sex. (laughs) Okay. Elaborate. The idea of of conscious, casual sex, because a lot of people believe that 
if you're having sex with multiple people, it's casual that it's not something that can be beneficial or positive, right? And I really feel that there is a way to have conscious casual sex that you can be present with that person and honor that space for that time point in time. Um, and I believe that the attachments come when uh, I think you're more, more inclined to get attached in a bad way if you are not giving it to yourself. So it's all going back. Right, to like It becomes it to codependency. Yes. Yes. If, if you're trauma bonding too, sometimes like you, do you know about trauma bonding? Yes. You almost like (laughs) seek what you lack in another person. Yes. Yes. And that's why that can make sex really hot and heavy because they're triggering so many of the things that you have such a deep need for that you haven't addressed in yourself. And, um, I mean, that'll create an attachment right there. So again, give it to yourself first and become more healthy within and understanding your own traumas. And like, what's your kryptonite? Um, my kryptonite is totally narcissistic men and aloof men, goodness, and men in powerful, powerful positions, because I wasn't giving that to myself or feeling like I was powerful, actually. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Does it have anything to do with father wounds? Totally. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I have a lot of father wounding with narcissism. Okay, so we keep circling back to giving it to yourself. So everyone definitely need to put down the calendar. (laughs) So yeah, physically, but then also emotionally. Uh, During coronavirus specifically, I was having a conversation with my girlfriends about this and about like healing your masculine because I didn't have a boyfriend over coronavirus lockdown and I wanted somebody to like, spend time with and cuddle with and have a lot of fun with, you know, and, um, and we talked about just like, what would, okay. So imagine the perfect man in whatever situation you're in, what would you like them to say or do for you? And then just say, and do that for yourself. (laughs) I've been thinking a lot about that too. Yeah. Yeah, Like, Oh baby, you've had a long day. I'll draw you a bath. Like say that shit to yourself in your, even out loud, you can even say it out loud. And, um, that is going to start healing that masculine part of yourself because you, everyone has mass masculine feminine inside of them. So once I started really, I healed a lot of my feminine and I still, a relationship did not come. I still had really dysfunctional relationships. And then I started really over coronavirus healing my masculine. Oh boy. And then bam, done like two months. And you're a partner right now. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. He's absolutely amazing. Like totally. Actually, he's making dinner right now. (laughs) Oh, you manifested him. And (laughs) (laughs) I love this story because I have so many friends and clients who are like, oh, I want to manifest the right guy, the one, um, which is a whole topic. I don't believe in the one. I believe there are multiple the ones for everyone. Yes. But um, you know how Joe Dispenza has this thing about if you want to find love, you have to be love. Mm. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. So we have to sort of like give ourselves the love we seek before we find it. And I always see this in, you know, people when they don't really care for it, when they are just so, you know, in the vibration of love, that's when they find love without even actively looking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause you're going to attract what you are and you'll see it. You'll pull it out of people too. 
totally like the men like the two men I were was married to they're not bad people I was just pulling out certain things in them that did not work <laughs> um but one of the things I wanted to say to that with like finding, cause you might be in a relationship, like you might be listening right now and you're in a relationship. Like somebody may be like, well, I'm already in a relationship, but we don't have that love. And I don't want to leave the relationship. I don't know. Maybe you're thinking of it, of leaving. Um, one thing that just uh, hit me that I heard a few months ago was um, who do you want to do the work with? Because relationships are work. You're going to fight. You're going to always be growing you're going to be a different person in five years from now, two years from now, two months from now. And you're going to always go through, you're never going to be fully healed. So, so this whole like BS and I've heard in the spiritual community about that, you have to be fully healed before you're going to find your person. As You'll BS. never get there. Like, you're always yeah, evolving. Exactly. So who, so something I always ask myself is like, who do I want to do the work with? And that is who you want to be with. And maybe if you're mad at them, um, or like, don't like them at that moment, that's okay. Because you, you know that you want to do the work with them. They're the ones who you want by your side doing this, this work on this life. Yeah. Um, okay. So you guys have been together for how long now? Oh, only six months. <laughs> okay. Cause I have a question about the honeymoon phase and how to sort of keep that going. And I know when we spoke last, we talked about how that anticipation of something new um, is very important. Yes. And I believe that that's one of my things I've had to address and heal. And like, because both of us have that part of our human design, right? Like we want the shiny new things and we get bored kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So a few things with that. Um, hmm, how have I kept it going? you know what? I really, it goes back to what I just talked about was doing the work because, um, oh, this is what my combo facilitator told me that they heard from one of their mentors, but spirituality, the, the journey of spirituality is about a half an inch. I might be like messing it up, but half an inch long and a mile deep. Yeah. So I think that just going deeper and deeper, the deeper that we go with helping each other show up for each other, heal old wounds. Um, I, I, there's, yes, our relationship has not been very long, but the depth of our, I mean, he, on our second date, I like cried. <laughs> I love that. And, um, he didn't get scared by it. Um, but it's not like a trauma bonding because both of us were super aware of our traumas and we got to actually discuss those and talk about them and, and you know, over the course of this last six months. But yeah, I, be I believe going deeper is what keeps that spark because there's always something new to discover about each other when you go deeper. Yeah. How do you know that you wanted to do the work with him? Mm. It was, um, it was actually on our second date. Uh, we were sitting outside on his porch after he had just made dinner and we were just talking about our stories, about our life. And um, I felt so much understanding from him. Um, I actually experienced this really intense heart opening. I was telling him a story and something I've told other people. And I started, I felt so comfortable 
and so open that I just experienced this huge like heart opening and I just started crying while I was sharing it with him and the and I knew that my body and my but that was my way my my intuition my body was talking to me it was like this is something special the fact that I could step into that and because I believe a really healthy masculine holds space for the feminine totally to be soft and to receive and to receive love, but also to be soft and to be open. And I just felt in my body like this huge heart opening. So that's how, that's why I knew. Yeah, it sounds emotional, but also calm at the same time. Yeah, it was it was the most natural thing in the world. Yeah, to tell him those things. And if it was you know trauma bonding, it would feel very different, like an ungrounded kind of a heavy attachment right yeah in my experience yeah in my experience with trauma bonding it's um it's the super high dopamine so very high dopamine really anticipation lots of antip- anticipation excitement like um and this is one reason why I one of my kryptonites was narcissists because narcissists tend to love bomb so like I would get like love bombed do you know what that is no. So like when a narcissist wants to like trap his victim or her victim, <laughs> um, they're like object, they have, they treat people as objects. And, and actually I'm not like, I really believe narcissism comes from a deep wounding um, early in childhood that has not been addressed. And because I've had to, I've literally had to go through, am I a narcissist with my therapist <laughs> because of some of my, my wounding and trauma and stuff. But um, yeah, the love bomb, they like, call you all the time, text you all the time, send you beautiful, like they'll get you, like they'll do these big extravagant things, making you feel like you're the one on the, you know, they'll tell you, I love love you within two weeks. Like it's, um, it's a very hot, heavy, fast type of energy. And that creates a lot of dopamine. So in the brain that creates a lot of dopamine and excitement, that's like your excitement and anticipation hormone. So it makes the sex really good. Um, it feels really good, but then there's like these super highs and then there's there's these lows so that's what love bombing is wow (laughs) and you mentioned you asked your therapist if you were a narcissist and this year especially I've been hearing people talk about that a lot I don't necessarily totally understand what a narcissist is but I feel like if you're questioning yourself you're probably not yeah, that's what he said too. <laughs> and he's like, I would have told you. I'm like, it's okay if I am. I'm not scared of it. I'll just fix it. No, but um, the way he explained it was um, a lot of victims of narcissism. So I love that we're talking about this because I think this is really important. Something I really struggled with because a lot of victims of narcissism learn how to fight fire with fire. So since I grew up with a narcissistic father, um, I learned his techniques of how to deal with X, Y, and Z, how to argue, how to win, how to, you know, and for survival, um, I can pull those out of my pocket and use those on other people. And even though like inherently not a narcissist, I still display some narcissistic qualities and everyone has narcissism. Like everyone has like is on a scale of narcissism. Right. And, um, I believe that just comes out in different ways because of different traumas. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, I mean, it's been a long journey for me really 
really important. And I really believe that like the way that I was showing up for myself emotionally, like personal growth is so important to me because that affects how I show up in my clinic, in my business, how I show up when I am dealing with people and relating to people and leading people. Um, I think if you don't have a practitioner that's a health, health practitioner, whatever kind that you're working with, aren't doing work for themselves, there's something wrong. Yeah, I believe that too. Okay. Um, I love this conversation and I can talk to you all day, but um, so many great takeaways today. But mm, if yes. you can only leave three actionable steps for, you know, people to become more empowered in life, in their feminine energy, what would those be? I think we already know one that's very obvious. Mm, yeah. I mean, orgasms, masturbation, right? Um, but also to turn on, if you feel dead, because I, I there are a lot of women who have very numb, numb vaginas, numb vulvas. So one of my favorite practices to help turn that on, bring blood flow to the area is the yoni egg practice. So make sure you're getting like a high quality yoni egg and um, using that. Um, also getting your hormones tested and work, you know, I work with people and do testing. I work remotely um, and can help people like get in touch. But one of the very simple things that you can totally do like right now is um, track your cycle and start getting really in tune with who you are in different, for women, who you are in different phases of your cycle. Um, for men, start, um, I would recommend actually doing lingam massage on yourself. Oh, so men don't have a cycle <laughs> technically, um, their testosterone is highest in the morning. That's why men have erections in the morning. Yeah. They have like a daily cycle. We have a monthly cycle. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you know that. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, I mean like getting in touch with yourself. So women track your cycle. And um, the yoni egg or yoni massage, men lingam massage gets you in touch with yourself, not just to ejaculate. Do a lingam massage, but don't ejaculate at first. Okay. Um, I would recommend just getting in touch and all around, like lingam massage is like inner thighs, all around perineum. Like <laughs> don't just go for, you know, just your cock. <laughs> Um, what does the <laughs> massage do for the men? Mm. So I really believe too, just like women are disconnected from their wombs and their yonis. Um, I really believe that men, a lot of the issues with erectile dysfunction, or even just not being able to show up, um, when men have a, their biggest issue usually is that they don't show up with their full heart in, in the, in the bedroom. So showing up with your full heart open so um, getting in tune with yourself physically and um, in a loving way will start to bring up um, different emotions. Um, also meditating really helps too, but um, that's how they can connect best like with their bodies. Okay, we'll leave the resources in the show notes. Cannot wait for <laughs> yeah. people to check them out. And yeah, we talked about the yoni egg before. Um, did you get one for yourself? Not yet. I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, 21, uh, 2021 intention is to prioritize self-care in all the ways. Nice. Yes. Yes. Good. That's awesome. 
I'm sure people are so obsessed with you at this point. Um, where can people find you and learn from you? Yes, thank you for asking that. Um, so right now, I just so Instagram. I'm not on there a ton, but it's um, drtiffgram is my handle. So at drtiffgram. Um, also, the climax with Dr. Tiff podcast. We're going to be launching in a couple weeks in the middle of January. I don't know when you'll put out this show, but we'll be launching in the middle of January on the new moon um, because moon cycles are important to keep in track of, just like your own cycle. Um, and let's see. Oh, and my clinic is um, Springs Integrated Health. So the website is springshealth.org. And you can go on there and actually book a free discovery call with me if you want a 10-minute discovery call to find out how I can help you. Um, we work with a lot of different, um, not just hormones and sex, but we also work with inflammation, gut health, pain, um, thyroid health, so, so many things, um, detoxification, weight loss. Yeah. Health is so holistic. And so yes. you work with people online. Yes. I work with people over zoom and we can send them supplements or get them online links. Um, we, it's a lot of nutrition and supplements is the basis, but but nutrition and supplements that actually the person needs. So the most expensive supplement is the one you don't need <laughs> and um, doing proper testing to figuring, figuring out what is actually triggering your health issues. What's the, what's like the underlying trigger, right? Out of those three T's, trauma, toxins, and thoughts. Oh, I am obsessed with your practice. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. I feel like they're all so important. Um, yeah, definitely get your hormones checked and targeted supplements is so important. I just can't stress enough. Mm -hmm. You are so good at interviewing, by the way. Oh, thank you so much. You so much. It was great being on this podcast. Thank you. Oh, it's great to have you. And you're my first guest. So I am pumped for people to listen and mm -hmm. you will have to come back. Yes, absolutely. Love it. Okay. Thank you so much for being here. Um, everyone check out Dr. Tiv. We will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Well, that was fun. I hope you got out just as much as I did from that conversation. Connect with Dr. Tiff on Instagram. She's at drtiffgram. And I am at Sandy Yang Wellness. Let me know what you think of the episode, what you would like to hear more of, or just come to say hi. And if you haven't already, please subscribe leave a rating and review for the podcast that will really support me and i will talk to you soon bye